Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning. Wherever you are on your own journey of faith, know that you are welcome here in this sacred space and time together. We're glad you've stopped by. The Lord be with you. Let us worship God. Let us listen now for what God might have to say to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to the disciples, 
they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, Bring them here to me. And then Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The feeding of the 5,000. It's a story we all know and for good reason. It is the only miracle recorded in all four gospels. That should give us more than enough reason to pause and reflect on its meaning. Why is this story deemed so important by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What might it reveal to us about God, about Jesus, and about who we are called to be as children of God and followers of Jesus? Well, there is, as Caroline Lewis suggests, a sense that this story sums up discipleship, that it is an invitation to action and involvement, that discipleship is not just about following, but participating. I agree. Jesus signals all of this and more with one very pointed directive. You give them something to eat. In that one simple statement, Jesus puts his disciples then and now on notice, saying in effect, you have a role to play in the work of my kingdom. So get to work now. Like many before and after them, the disciples tried to get the hungry to solve their own problem. The situation is dire. They're in a deserted place, and the hour is late. And so the disciples tell Jesus to send the hungry away and let them buy their own food. But in response, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. It bears noting that Jesus had gotten away from the crowds after hearing about the death of his cousin and colleague in ministry, John the Baptist. We can imagine his grief and profound sense of loss given the history of their relationship. And we can sympathize with his need for some time off and away from his own work. But his time away does not last for long. Seeing the crowds had followed him his compassion moves him to act. As Matthew tells the story, Jesus then spends the day curing the sick among them. And when evening comes, he feeds them. Another picture of love and action. 
If you listen closely to the story, you can hear the disciples stammering and stuttering and sense their frustration. When Jesus tells them to feed the hungry, they say, well, we've got nothing here but five loaves and two fish. But to their surprise and ours, that turns out to be more than enough. And this, says Rolf Jacobson, is good news. Good news not only for the hungry crowd of people following Jesus, but good news for us as well. It is especially good news in this time of pandemic and social unrest, when we feel we've got nothing or next to nothing to offer those in need. As Jacobson puts it, next to nothing is Jesus's favorite thing to work with. I don't know about you, but I need this good news. I need it because like the first disciples, there are times when I feel I've got next to nothing to offer you or anyone else. There are times when I feel I've got nothing new to say, nothing new to do. Times when I feel tired and worn out with nothing left to give. But quite often, those are the times when something or someone helps me find the needed energy to keep on keeping on. To paraphrase Jill Duffield, such blessings do not come without persistence and presence, wrestling and doubt, some courage, and at least a little trust. Blessings come from God, but they also entail a lot of gritty groundwork on the part of disciples who, like Jesus, choose to remain in those desolate, frightening, chaotic places where others have no choice but to reside. And sometimes, to our ongoing surprise, miracles make their way through our offerings, no matter how meager they might seem to be. Sometimes, when we give all that is in our hands, there are baskets full of leftovers. Given the overwhelming nature of the problems we're facing these days, it is tempting to say to those in need, we have nothing to give, so go away and solve your own problems. It is especially tempting when many of our nation's leaders are already saying such things. From a purely political standpoint, that might work, but it will not work from a religious standpoint, at least not from a Christian one. Instead of ignoring people's needs, instead of turning people away, instead of telling people to fend for themselves, Jesus jumps in to heal the sick and feed the hungry. And time and time again, he commands his followers to do likewise. Thoughts and prayers, while helpful, are never enough by themselves. What's needed is action. You see, to say we love our neighbor, 
to say we are concerned for the sick, to say we support civil rights is never enough. What's needed is action. We must demonstrate our love by acting on it in real and tangible ways. And we must give whatever we have on hand, trusting that with God's help, it will be more than enough to heal the sick and feed the hungry. In last week's sermon, Catherine spoke of tiny things that lead to big things in the kingdom of God. In today's lesson, the tiny things are five loaves of bread and two fish. To the disciples, that seems like nothing. But when those tiny things are blessed and broken and shared, they become part of the kingdom's amazing harvest. It bears noting again that Jesus' compassion for others leads him to attend to the physical needs of them as well as the spiritual needs. He heals the sick and he feeds the hungry. And lest we forget it, he commands his disciples to do the same. As the biblical scholar Jennifer Kaland reminds us, there is much to be gleaned from this ancient story to address two major issues in our society today, health care and hunger. The debate in the United States concerning the health care system is based on the principle of whether it is a right or a privilege. But the health care system is the way we care for our sick today. And so we must ask, are there appropriate resources allotted to this care? Does our healthcare system meet the needs of most, if not all, of our citizens? Jesus, moved by compassion, healed the sick. We should do likewise. And so, says Kaland, we must demand a system that is more akin to the kingdom of God and less like ancient Roman imperial systems that God's kingdom opposed. Kaelin goes on to say there's a need to feed the hungry as well. According to the World Food Pro Program, some 800 million people in the world do not have enough food to lead a healthy active life. That is about one in every nine people on earth. Hunger, as we all know, is related to illnesses and developmental disabilities. It is difficult, if not impossible, for the hungry child to do well in school. And so, says Kaelin, we must ask, what are we Christians doing to feed the hungry? What resources can we offer that, when blessed and added with others, can bring forth an increase? As we've learned over the last few weeks, Jesus spent a lot of time teaching the crowds 
and instructing the disciples about the kingdom of God. And as we have learned in today's lesson, Jesus made the kingdom real by healing the sick and feeding the hungry. He showed us that real love leads to action. And then he showed us how to share our resources so that there is more than enough for everyone. In a few minutes, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And the words and actions of the liturgy will echo today's lesson. Once again, Jesus will bless us by taking bread, blessing it, breaking it, and giving it to us and all people to eat. Once again, Jesus will demonstrate the transforming power of God's kingdom, bringing life where we thought there was only death. With his reflections on today's lesson, Walter Brueggemann points us to some of those transformations that are possible when we work in kingdom-like ways. He writes, when Jesus and the disciples work together to feed over 5,000 people, the bread stays exactly what it is, bread. And yet, it becomes something it never was before, a carrier of all the hidden, powerful gifts of God. The crowd stays as it is, but it becomes something it never thought it would be, a people entitled to what they cannot provide for themselves. The desert stays as it is, but it becomes something that no one would ever expect a viable place of existence and the arena for the reign of God. Seen in this light, we can understand why this story was so important to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Seen in this light, this story challenges disciples like us to consider how we have been blessed and how we might share those blessings with others. It challenges disciples like us to consider how we might use whatever resources we have at our disposal, no matter how meager, to help heal the sick and feed the hungry. So to paraphrase Duffield again, we must ask ourselves, can we hand over our loaves, our fish, whatever it is that we have that might bring relief from our voice to our vote, to our advocacy, to our dollars, as well as our prayers? Can we squelch the urge to send people away and instead call them closer 
can we bring whatever we happen to have and say, take it, Jesus, and commence the miracle. I pray that we can. Amen. In the name of Christ, I charge you to devote yourselves to the teachings of his gospel and to the breaking and the sharing of bread. And so may the blessings of God come to you and all people. Amen.